right, welcome to the Greg Steer Youth Ministry Podcast. I believe in the power of the gospel and the potential of teens. And I also believe that the best way to get teens to grow is to get them to go. I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, rate it, review it, help us spread the word to youth leaders. It is time for a revolution in youth ministry that will result in every teen everywhere hearing the gospel from a friend. Super excited about our guest today, Pastor Gerard Gunner. He uh, serves as a next-gen pastor at New Direction Christian Church's History Hill, Hickory Hill Campus in Memphis, Tennessee, where he ministers to more than 300 middle school and high school students each week. And prior to joining New Direction, Gerard worked for the Urban Youth Initiative, where he created educational and mentoring programs for students. During this time, he started a movement called Riot Starters that encouraged students to create a culture of prayer and evangelism in their schools and communities. He recently released his first book called Riot Starter, Answering the Call to Counterculture, which gives youth leaders and teens the tools to be countercultural, make noise for Christ, I love that, and transform the world for Jesus. Gerard has shared his passion and perception of youth ministry with leaders at organizations such as Google, Stuff You Can Use, Center for Youth Ministry Training, and our very own Dare to Share, where, where he's a member uh, of our speaker team. He's happily married to Lakeisha. They're proud parents of Desmond, Ariana, Maya, and Jalen. Super excited Gerard's here because he's one of my favorite speakers in the world, and he's one of my dear, dear friends. I love this guy. I love everything about him. Uh, Gerard, thanks for being a part of the podcast today. Oh man, I'm so hyped to be a part of this. This is going to be good today. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm thinking back to where we first met, and I think it was at U Specialties. It was U Specialties, and for some reason, you don't remember it was in Dallas. I don't. You keep saying you never were in Dallas, but it was at Dallas. It was in. It was Dallas. in Dallas, and I was doing uh, in the Seven Value Training, and I remember talking I, about. I don't know that. I don't know that Seven Values was, was that first time. There. Okay. The very first, yeah. I don't think so. This seven, is before I think then. In, this is before Seven Values. Okay. I so. just remember you talking to me about because uh, I talk about it. You're either a coach or a quarterback, and so that was Cincinnati. I saw you in Cincinnati too. Okay. Yeah, when you were in Cincinnati, I was like, yeah, I got to tell them what's been happening because by that time we had we had went full on into you know dare to share principles, and so. Cincinnati was like, yo, like, let me tell you what's going on. That's cool. And you, you, I walked I mean, in late. I walked in late to your, to your speaking. Yeah. <laughs> That's when well, I you got know, the gospel out. You know, we talked about, uh, you know, you're either a quarterback or a coach. So a quarterback, you know, bring your friends out to youth group, watch me throw the touchdown pass or coach your students to throw the touchdown pass. That yeah. hits you because you're a former professional football player. You told me yeah. after that really got me. Yeah. 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 I think it was, I think it's because, you know, when you come into youth ministry, you kind of, your goal is to kind of, you want to save everybody. I mean, you kind of yeah. put this show, this burden on your shoulders, like to go after every single student mm -hmm. and you feel like it's on you to do it. Um, and whether it's by intention or whether that's just the youth ministry culture that's been created before you, you feel like it's up to you to kind of do that. And, when I heard you say that, like, hey, like you're 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 not the superstar quarterback. Like, if you would just simply, you know, train these assistant coaches, so to speak, and these and mobilize them, like they're the ones that are gonna go get and, and, and share the gospel. And man, when you said that, it just it just radically changed how we were gonna pursue ministry from that moment on. 
Uh, I was no longer going to pursue trying to, one, be the superstar quarterback, and then uh, I was no longer going to try to put that burden on uh, sharing the gospel with every single person, you know, um, uh, every single student. I could just mobilize our students, and they would multiply themselves to do that. And that philosophy really, you know, kind of ties into your story. I mean, just uh, give us a kind of a nutshell. You had some radical stuff happen at your church and uh, years ago that kind of really set the pace for this gospel advancing movement and mentality. Why don't you just kind of fill us in on that? Yeah. So, I, again, I, I was we really were um, doing great ministry in comparison to what youth ministry cause success right we were we were seeing a lot of students come we were seeing um i think at one of our lock-ins we had over 600 students locked in from 7 p.m to 7 a.m the next day so we were doing successful ministry you know um but i just we just felt like something was missing like like is this it like was this it and i remember uh just meeting one of my friends he was in the city at the time he was at another church and uh, i was looking for a basketball gym and uh, I walk into this church and uh, uh, ask for the youth guy. Uh, well, actually, I asked for the guy over the basketball. It happened to be the youth guy. He comes down uh, and he says, um, uh, hey, man, uh, yeah, sure, you can use our gym. But on his wall, he had this huge banner of gospel, life in six words, G-O-S-P-L. I'm like, what is that? And he says, uh, like, what do you mean, what is that? Like, you don't know what that is. And um, immediately he gives me like this manual. Um, ministry to movement. I think that's what it was called, like ministry to movement. And uh, man, I just devoured it that whole week, and it was what was missing. It was, it was mobilizing students with the gospel. Um, and I kid, like I said, our kids were hyped. They were excited about coming to church, but they didn't have a mission. Um, uh, and so we wanted to kind of you know put that before them. And so we began to do those things and go through those principles. Um, and I think my friend he actually was going to the conferences that Dare to Share was having. Um, uh, and I was never able to really make those. So, uh, we end up just diving into those, those, those principles and really sharing, you know, what it meant to, to share the gospel, what prayer really meant. And then we had a situation. Um, I want to say a situation. It was just a part of culture at the time, uh, in our culture, um, uh, riots were breaking out really all over the nation at the time. There were some incidents that broke out in, uh, Mike Brown, uh, was murdered in, uh, St. Louis and, um, and of course, here in Memphis, Tennessee, it's already a racially divided city. Um, and so some of that spilled over uh, into to our city. Uh, and one one Friday night, uh, a young black kid was shot uh, by a white police officer uh, on the front lawn of all places of our youth campus. Uh, oh literally goodness. Saturday morning, I get up and I roll up and all I see is yellow tape uh, at the front lawn of the youth campus. And uh, many of our students knew this young man. And, uh, and so they were looking for answers. They were looking for like, what do we do? Um, and, and we really recognized that, that, uh, there were other organizations that were really trying to, uh, create a response. They were trying to get those young people to, to, to join some, some other organizations and to riot during those times. And we recognized that a riot is a response. Martin Luther King said that it is a response. It's the response, uh, of the unheard. Uh, but we recognized that there needed to be another response. And, um, we begin to challenge our students that that the gospel is a response. Um, prayer is a response to those things that are in our city, and, and we begin to train them that whole year, that whole that whole summer. I say uh, on on the power of prayer, 
um, the power of sharing the gospel with your friends. And we committed that when we get back to school in the fall, uh, we're going to pray every single Wednesday. Now, I know prayer at the poll is important, uh, but our city was in trouble. We needed more than just one one day of prayer. We needed to pray every single Wednesday. And we, we was like, look, we're going to pray in every school that we're represented in. And um, uh, it turns out the first day that we pray was pray at the poll. And uh, students come up and they say, yo, uh, they were sharing with their friends. Hey, we're going to pray. Hey, we're going to we're going to pray. We're going to pray this Wednesday. And uh, somehow the administrator got got word of it. And they determined that, listen, if you guys are late, we're going to suspend uh, anybody that, that's late to class uh, because this shouldn't be a distraction. And um, kids come tell me and I'm like, yo, what are you guys going to do? Like, we don't want anybody suspended. It's like, yeah, we praying. We just want to let you know that that's what's going on. That's awesome. And, um, and uh, because they had a mission, right? And that's what I think was missing. They had a mission and nothing stops uh, a mission. Uh, the next day, over 400 something students show up uh, to this prayer. Somebody takes out a phone. Uh, he probably should have been praying, but he takes out his phone and he records it. And this thing goes viral uh, um, all over. And uh, it's still being shared today at times on Instagram. And uh, man, God put a, a crazy display uh, of the gospel uh, on display for the world to see that day. And uh, our students are just, uh, they saw it that, that the power of prayer is a mission. Mm -hmm. And it just radically changed what youth ministry was going to be like for us from that point on. So, Gerard, it's, it's so exciting for me to see this happen uh, in Memphis. You know, I've been to Memphis and through Memphis. I mean, it is a racially divided city, 200 active gangs, and uh, the gospel is shining in the, in the midst of it all. And God yeah. is using you in other churches. You've knighted other churches. You're doing that in other cities. God, I believe God is raising up a movement of, you know, riot starters, a righteous riot, yeah. as you say, yeah. that will— pray and advance the gospel and build relationships and transform entire communities through the power of the gospel of Christ. And that's Amen. not just what urban youth ministries need to do, though. That's also what every youth ministry needs to do. I mean, youth ministry has has failed in a lot of ways. And, you know, mm. I know this is kind of a, a micro series within uh, our Greg's, you know, the Gregster Youth Ministry podcast. We're going to be talking about the failure of youth ministry, that ebook mm -hmm. that I wrote, and how to fix it. Let me just ask you: Why do you think this is an important conversation? The, the conversation about the the failure of youth ministry. I think I think it's a really important conversation be, because of, I mean, even much of my story. What was placed before us was. Hey, you gotta you gotta attract kids. You have to attract them to youth ministry. You gotta have these amazing um, uh, uh, displays so that kids can be excited about wanting to come to your space. And and we all know that that's uh, that's important. It's important to have a great time with students because kids are energy. They're fun. But what what I've seen is, and I, I think we all can say that is that doesn't last very long. Um, your your games don't last very long. Um, mm. Your your light show can't it's not enough to keep them from deciding whether to come to your space or to basketball practice or to the party that's going to happen now and so i think when you pastors have been shown this kind of model like be very attractional um it's kind of it's kind of placed them in, in in kind of a holding pattern like so what do we do when they no longer are attracted by what we we have like so there has to be something more than using you know attractional methods uh to attraction i remember um when i first started i would see 
um, uh, these these flyers to say uh, we are we are attracting students from all over. We are attracting students, and I would almost ask myself, uh, yeah, we're attracting students, but are they really engaged? Right? Yeah, and so and so I think that that's where we're starting to look at, like you know, we're attracting students, but are they really engaged into our spaces? Are they engaged with with a mission? Because uh, if not, uh, playing chubby wubby is bunny whatever that game is, uh, is not going to keep them. It's not going to keep them very long for a little while, but it won't keep them very long. They need a mission. Well, yeah, I agree. And, you know, you think about, you think about youth ministry in a lot of ways, it's kind of stuck in the eighties. Uh, you know, there's so much distraction now. There's so many, uh, sports and smartphones and Netflix and, so much gaming. There's so much for students to do. They don't necessarily need to show up to youth group to have a good time. And no. if we're depending on that, at the same time, not throwing out the baby with the bathwater, that it's okay to have sizzle as long as you got some steak. Like when I go to Chili's, yeah. you know, sometimes yeah. I hear those sizzling fajitas go by. I'm like, well, I'll have that, right? But when they bring it, there better be some stake there, right? And right, it's right. okay to have fun and games and all that, but we got to be leading them somewhere. That's what I really appreciate about you, Gerard. You're in the in the trenches leading these students to engage on a deeper level with the message and mission of Jesus Christ. And uh, you're seeing that actually happen in yeah. your youth group, but also with other youth groups as they catch on with this idea and this vision, and not just in Memphis, but other cities. So that's exciting. So. I assume you had an opportunity to read the failure of youth ministry. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's short, 40 pages long. What would you say you agreed with? And is there anything you like disagreed with, or maybe you have a different perspective uh, on? I'd love to hear your thoughts about that. I can't, I can't say, cause I, I think you and I've had several conversations about youth ministry, even in this, our, our culture right now, how, how unique it is. Um, uh, I can't speak for a lot of different contexts, but I know even right here in Memphis, uh, Memphis is still, uh, in many regards, kind of shut down as it relates to the pandemic. Uh, our church still hasn't been in person, uh, man, now two years uh, uh, coming up on March. And so with if, if, if I'm going to be a youth pastor in this context, right, uh, I'm going to have to figure out how to how to pivot, how to evolve as, as youth ministry, because I can't be as I don't have a building to attract them to. Um, um, uh, I don't have Xbox or PlayStation. They're already at home playing those things. And so when, when reading the, the failure you've mentioned, yeah, that wasn't really much. It was like, yeah, like this is, this, this is, has to happen. Like we have to begin to evaluate is, is what we're doing, getting us the results that we really want. Um, is, is, is the way we're currently doing ministry, um, and engaging students, is it getting us the results that we want? Cause if not, um, we, it, it's time to make a change. So I think one of the things that really, um, man, just really jumped out to me was, uh, well, two things. One, I think, I think the, uh, I think it's the Stockholm paradox, uh, the Stockdale paradox. Stockdale, um, yeah. And, yeah, the Stockdale paradox. And yes, there is a, there is faith that we have to have that like, uh, things are going to get better. Like we know that students are, are struggling with, with anxiety and depression and, and we know that the hope of Jesus Christ uh, can and will uh, interrupt that pattern and give them a, a better life, right? The abundant life that Jesus Christ. But then the other part of that is also being able to say, okay, we got to look at the reality of what's happening right now. 
um, you know, are we are we actually engaging them with that hope? Um, and if not, um, what are we going to do about it? Um, because my friend always tells me, he says, you're getting the results that you're getting, whether you like it or not, based off of what you're doing. Hmm. You know, whether you like it or not. And so, so that was very important to to see that part. Like, yo, like we, and I think sometimes, especially in church, it's, we were so loving and we're so, you know, we want to see the best in things. It's hard for us sometimes to look at ourselves uh, and really evaluate and say, yeah, that's not fruitful. And we got to stop doing that. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's tough, like you said, to push back and look at a model and say, okay, is this really working? But in some ways, this whole pandemic has given us an opportunity to pause and think, right? Because I remember that first surge is every, how do we do youth group online, you know, on Zoom effectively? And that lasted for about a month or two. And then everybody started dropping off. And (laughs) now youth leaders are like, okay, what do we do? And yeah, there's some creative technological ways that have been developed and ideas that youth leaders come up with that are great. But I think it's a great opportunity to say, is the system broken? And, Mm. you know, if I'm reading that Pine Tops Foundation report, right, we're losing at least a million evangelical teenagers per year. They're not just leaving the church or leaving their faith. I'm like, I'm, I'm not a brain surgeon, but it feels to me like youth ministry is failing to not only gain new believers, but retain the current ones. And yeah. there needs to be a fundamental shift. And so you've been implementing these seven values of a gospel advancing ministry, intercessory prayer, relational evangelism, leaders modeling it. How has that shifted your perspective of youth ministry? How has it shifted your students' excitement for youth ministry? I, I think I think what was so unique in reading this, um, you know, this this excerpt uh, or this this really heart verse from you is um, these principles are not new. Like they're 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 biblical. Like they are they are in scripture. And um, oh man, for for whatever reason, um, oftentimes we we don't apply them to um, like really like what we're currently doing. And so. I think when I begin to look at the values and say like, yo, like in prayer, like here is Acts chapter two is how, like, I mean, the disciples were up having a prayer service up in the upper room. And, and um, as we begin to, to implement those things, I think it gave students, I think it gave students a mission. We talked about earlier how, um, you know, students have a mission in their DNA. Like they want to be a part of something, um, which is why they oftentimes choose you know, football practice over youth group or why they choose to stay home uh, and game over, um, you know, youth group. It's because those things have some type of mission. They have some type of call for them to be a part of. Hmm. But for but for whatever reason, uh, our churches are not putting that mission before students. And, and we tested it. We say, OK, cool. Look, we're going to we're going to give them a mission. And so at that, when we begin to do that, you group no longer was just was just a place to hang out pretty sure people want to come hang out with their friends it became a place of like yo like okay i'm gonna be equipped to go do the mission like we had students calling us in the middle of the day like yo like pj like we didn't tr- we didn't we didn't talk about wiccans uh so but i have a wiccan at, at the lunchroom that i want to talk to about the gospel but we didn't cover that one so can you help me out right now? I'm like, yo, man, go eat your lunch and we'll talk. You know, so they're, they're because they recognize like, yo, 
my school is now a mission and youth group had became a place where I'm equipped for a mission other than a place where I just came to play games. And I think that that that's what happened for us when we began to implement these principles that again are biblical. It gave students a mission and a reason to like now, okay, I, they, they saw their school uh, essentially different. They saw it as a mission field. And I love that because yeah, I, I love you mentioned it. I mean, dare to share. We did not, develop these principles we discovered them in a research project and then reading the book of acts like duh how do we miss this stuff secondly you know what i love is it makes youth group all week long like like i'm not done on wednesday night or sunday night uh or that retreat or that camp we're just launching into a week-long uh discussion of jesus with my unreached friends and also you know uh calling Gerard to find out hey what do i actually believe about wiccans I mean, think about the beauty of that. Kids asking you questions about theology, philosophy, worldview, world religions. We're always struggling to keep kids' attention. And now they're asking for your attention because they want, they're want they on mission. They want to know the facts. They want to know the truth. It changes yeah. everything. I, yeah, it does. Because I think I think I was, I was always asking myself in, in ministry, once a, once a student made a decision for Christ, like what's next? Like, like, what's, what's the, I mean, again, like I'm saved. So what's next? What do I do now? And I think being able to say, okay, Hey, here's the mission. Here's what, here's why we come to church every year. We're going to come, we're going to celebrate, but we're, we're simply coming here to be equipped to go. And I think once that paradigm shift hit, hit, hit us, it was like, oh man. And and, and the students, man, and it blew us away too. Like, I mean, I'm not sitting here like we knew this was going to happen. Like, it blew us away to be getting calls in the middle of the day. Like, yo, like we're really, Hey, I'm trying to see how, like, what are we doing this wins? Cause I want to bring this guy. Cause I really kind of stuck on this piece. I want, I mean, it was just, it was just radical to see that That's once awesome. we gave them a mission, their high schools became mission fields for them. Man. I love that. And I think, uh, you know, I go back to when I was a teenager and I was raised in the city, fatherless home, you know, a lot of crime in my you know neighborhood I get involved with this youth group and all of a sudden I got that mission. I got a purpose and thank the Lord. I was in a youth ministry that they trained and equipped us. Welcome to the family. Here's your Bible, read it. We'll help you understand it. And there's the mission. Go start telling your friends. And one of the first things they would do is train us how to share the gospel, which now in a typical church, that's a 401 class. And by the time you get to 401, most you know, adults are institutionalized by that. They yeah. was, this was yeah. the one-on-one. Let's do this. Yeah. And it gave, you know, that mission, that vision, that excitement. So, so exciting for me to um, hear all this from you, Gerard. Excited. I never get, I never get tired of hearing it. And, you know, you look at that prayer video, which I've seen at the public school, you know, you talk about intercessory prayer fuel and here's four or 500 kids interceding to God on behalf of their school mm. and their city and just calling out yeah. to him for revival and transformation. Mm. And it's like an upper room experience. And then yeah. that relational evangelism flows from that. It's so, so exciting. What would you say to the typical youth leader watching this or listening to this saying, okay, this is excitement. I agree. Youth ministry is broken. Where do I start? What do I do? to begin to make these kinds of changes? Man, I, I I honestly would say, you know, I would first start with, with you first. Like I would start with you first and say, 
you know, honestly prepare your heart that this is something that you, that you, that you're tired of doing. Like, and I think, I think it started with me first. Like I was, I knew something was missing in the youth ministry, you know, um, this wasn't some leader came, this was, uh, and, and, and I believe maybe they, they just didn't verbalize it, but I think it had to start with you first that you have to get to a point where you say like, I know something is broken and, and I want to do something about it. Um, and once you begin to do that, um, uh, I would say, I would say then be it first. Like, like you begin to, you begin to be that, that change. Like you begin to be somebody that says, man, I'm going to pray like crazy. Uh, our, I think, uh, and maybe you told me this story, Greg, uh, some guy draw, draws this circle. He says he want to see his revival. Um, and he, he tells this young guy, he says, get in the circle. And when you get in the circle, pray like crazy for everybody in that circle, um, to see revival. Um, and essentially it's yourself. And, um, I think that that's what I would encourage a youth leader right now is like, um, like start with you first, um, and, and be committed that like, Hey, I want to see this change. Uh, first in me, um, it's, it's one thing for us as youth leaders to 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 want to see our young people share the gospel and and, and go out and change the communities and the schools, uh, man. But if if it's uh, I think about Genesis, God says, "Be fruitful and multiply." Um, but I think most of us want to do the multiplication first. We want to see the big numbers in our rooms. We want to see the the great displays of. But God says, first, be fruitful, and then I'll multiply that." Right. And so I think if we're fruitful in praying first, if we're fruitful in sharing the gospel in our own lives, this is going to multiply in our ministries. It's going to multiply in other areas. And so um, I would say start first with yourself. Um, and then secondly, man, you know, create a, a prayer culture in your ministry mm. um, with your students. Man, I love that because it just hit me as you were talking, like we multiply uh by the fact that we're multiplying by. So if we're into this, you, you know, we're not living this out. We're a zero. That's what we're going to get with our students. We're a one. That's what we're a 10. That's what we're going to multiply. Who, whatever that this gospel advancing philosophy is in us will be multiplied in and through our students by that same factor. So, yeah, so, man. so, so important. Well, I want to bring in a youth leader right now. Who's been eavesdropping on this conversation. Uh, her name is Morgan Marshall. She grew up in Fort Collins, Colorado, attended Dare to Share conferences when she was in youth group. Uh, yes, I am very old. Uh, she served at a church in Texas for five years before returning home to the state of Colorado. She now serves as student minister at Storyline Church uh, right here in the city of Arvada, where she's leading their efforts toward the vision of the 14,000 middle school and high school students hearing the gospel from a friend in Arvada. Colorado. Morgan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Greg. It's great to be here. Yeah. So as you've listened to uh, Gerard uh, and I kind of talk about this, I mean, it's it's a tough subject because, you know, it's your job. And to say the failure of youth ministry, uh, does that automatically imply, you know, that all of youth, all of youth ministry is failing and it's not. But as you've kind of wrestled through some of the thoughts that we've bounced back and forth, what are, what are some of your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I love everything that Gerard said and would agree with the things that he said. And I know he has a ton of experience and just working with students and um, implementing some of these things into his own church and ministry. Um, and I think that one of those, uh, like one of the things that I've seen 
the most is that I think a lot of um, churches or youth leaders will uh, maybe just not see the importance of our students and how they can really raise the bar even for the church um, as a whole. And they can be people that kind of set the pace for the church. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think as I've been able to work with students um, and just kind of see them stepping into some of these things, it's been a lot about just raising the bar for them and asking them to do hard things because um, like Gerard said, like they, they want a mission um, and they work hard on their, for their missions for their sports team or to get into that certain college that they really want to get into or um, to be a really good friend with certain people like they they will have a when they have a mission they are going to continue with it with all guns blazing and so um, to give them a mission that is focused on the gospel and to help them see um, okay now that you're a believer your mission isn't just to be a really good um, athlete or a really good student or a really good friend. Um, it's actually to be those things with the gospel in mind and to use um, use those places that God has put you um, to then take the gospel forth and, and to be someone who demonstrates the love of God um, to those people because they really are capable of it. Um, and I think that that's the hardest part is just stepping into recognizing that and then uh, giving them those opportunities and helping them see the places that God has put them. I love that because I love that concept of raising the bar because as Gerard said, as you just reminded us, everywhere else is raising a bar for young people, oftentimes except the church. Now, how did that impact you as a teenager getting this mission? I know you came to Dare to Share. What grade were you in when you went to a Dare to Share event? Oh, man. I was probably like eighth or ninth grade. Eighth or ninth grade. So, yeah. and, and I'm sure you had a, you know, a youth leader that was trying to get everybody to, you know, share the gospel. How did that impact you as a, as a teenager? Yeah, um, that was something that was huge in my life. So I went to um, Dare to Share um, and our youth group was pretty small, but our youth leader was able to get almost all of our students there, which was amazing. So we just had a great weekend. Um, it was really challenging. Um, that was really the first time that I... Um, had heard that my responsibility was to share the gospel. Um, I had always believed like, man, I can just start inviting my friends to come to church and they'll hear the gospel from the pastor or from a youth leader or when we read the Bible, like I don't really need to do that. Um, and so to hear like, no, you as a student have, have a responsibility to share the gospel, um, that really hit me hard um, because I recognized like, that's something that I can do um, with my friends. And I had a lot of friends that um, were not believers. Um, they didn't know Jesus. They didn't really care about church. Um, and so just starting to have those conversations with them. Um, at that conference, we had to call a friend because texting wasn't like a thing yet, really. And so we actually had to like get on the phone, um, dial a friend's number, call them, and just ask them questions about what they believed and have an opportunity to pray with them or share the gospel. Um, and that was really hard. Um, but doing that and then coming back to uh, my school and just being able to continue to have conversations with our with my friends, um, inviting them to church, but not just inviting them, like also asking them, like, can I pray for you today? Mm -hmm. Like, here's something that God is teaching me. Can I share this with you? I know that you maybe believe differently, but I would love to hear what you believe and, and talk with you. Um, about the things that I believe. Um, and so I really started to see it as a mission um, 
that I had as as a student um, and something that our our youth group was really yeah we were like really sent out then from there to bring students to youth group but not as a place uh, for them to hear the gospel as a place for them to learn then how to go back out into our schools and share the gospel yeah that's that's really good uh, point Morgan and I'll bring Gerard back in on this because she kind of brings up a point of this come and see mentality that is hey bring out all your friends which is good I mean I, I, I love that but if you're just depending on come and see and you don't combine it with go and get in other words equip students to go and tell and share the gospel with their friends we're gonna miss a lot of, we're gonna miss out on reaching a lot of students for Christ but how do you think Gerard that whole come and see and go and tell philosophy can go together in in a youth ministry yeah, I think Morgan hit it. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I think, I mean, coming and seeing that we, we want students to be in a, a community of faith, a part of a space where people are loving Jesus and loving other people. I think that's that's dope. But again, if we look at, uh, and again, Faith Youth Ministry kind of highlights it. If we, if we look at the state of youth ministry now, and even in our culture, um, many places, and again, I speak of myself, they can't come and see, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to change and pivot to say, maybe it's not about how many people gather, but it's about how many students you're sending. Like how many students are we sending equipped with the gospel into their schools? Because they may not get to come and see to my building. They may not get to come and hear me preach. But if I've equipped my student leaders with the gospel and how to, and how to train and how to disciple, then now while they're at school, um, they're having that, they had essentially having youth group on campus. They're essentially having yeah. youth group uh, at the parks. Um, and, and I think that, we're, again, we're taking, we're taking the, 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 the message out of the superstar youth pastor's hand and we're putting it in the hand of those students and saying, hey, if we could never come and see again, it's not about how many students gather, uh, which may be a direct effect on some of our egos uh, and some of our, you know, it might be. But if we're sending, if we're more concerned about how many students are we sending that are equipped with the gospel, um, I think come and see begins to take a back seat to uh, go and be instead of come and see. Ooh, come and see, go and be. It rhymes. I love it. Hey, and I think <laughs> I think it's uh, I think this whole idea, and I mentioned it earlier, Morgan. Um, you guys have identified. 14,000 teenagers. Why don't you kind of tell us a little bit about that? Because it really ties in with this whole go and be, you know, go and share that message, go and tell them the good news of the gospel. That 14,000 number, how did you guys identify that? And what is that? How does that uh, impact the way you do and view youth ministry? Yeah, so um, we looked at all of the high schools and middle schools that were either directly in our area or that we had students um, that are currently at. Um, and so we took all of those schools and looked up the number of students um, that were attending for this year at those middle schools and high schools and added it up. And it was right around 14,000. Um, and so that just became the number that we are praying for, um, which is really fun because we live in Colorado. And so there's tall mountains here um, that are 14,000 feet. Um, and so when when we are reminded to pray for those 14,000 students, we're like asking God to literally move a mountain in these high schools and middle schools. Um, because Colorado, like a lot of other places, and I'm 
sure Gerard knows this too, even being in Memphis, like there's just uh, not a ton of Christian influences in these schools. And so um, just praying for God to move a mountain in these schools and using those students who are believers, whether they go to our youth group or they go to another youth group in our city, um, that they would be people that um, start gospel conversations, that um, their lives look different in those schools. Um, and so because of that, we spend time each week um, with our middle school and high school students just praying for specific schools or for our actual friends. We'll have our students pray for their friends by name. Um, and we know that each of those names represents one of those 14,000. Um, and we just want to continue to ask God to, to do that because we can't do that. Um, and we certainly can't do that on our own, but we know that God can. And so we're just kind of leaving that um, in his hands and asking him to to move mountains and that we would get to be a part of it and see that happen. Morgan, I, I love that. And, you know, to get there in every city, whether it's Memphis or Arvada, Colorado or Lincoln, Nebraska or Queens, New York or whatever, it's going to it's going to force churches to unite. Like it's going to force uh, youth leaders to get together and say, hey, let's pray together. Let's help build each other's youth ministries up. Let's multiply this out and transform not just youth ministry, but the, the youth ministry of means to the end. And the end is fully discipled, passionate followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, teens, uh, knowing what they believe, why they believe, and unashamed to proclaim what they believe to their friends, disciples making disciples. So, so proud of you, Morgan, uh, and how God is using you uh, at Storyline to really set the pace for evangelism, to really live those seven values out. Gerard, I'm proud of you as well, man, just seeing God use you in powerful ways. I know we're going to be doing an event next week together. Can't wait to see you. It's yeah, going to be yeah. awesome. How can uh, youth leaders, Gerard, find out more uh, about you and also uh, your new book? Uh, yeah, so I'm on Instagram uh, at jgunner5, jgunner5, and then uh, uh, writestartabook.com. Uh, all together, ridestartabook.com. And uh, man, just follow the uh, website and they'll tell you exactly how to, you know, get in touch, get in, you know, speak anything. So it's J-G-U-N-T-E-R-5. Yep, J-Gunter-5. Yep. J-Gunter-5. Uh, Instagram and com. All right. All right. Well, hey, Gerard, uh, Morgan, thanks so much for being a part of this. Encourage youth leaders uh, to download uh, the failure of youth ministry, read it. Uh, it actually is a very hopeful book. Uh, don't let the title. Somebody yelled at me on Twitter the other day and they're like, you need to, you know, there are successful models. I'm like, read the book. Then you can yell at me. Um, but it's a whole, it's, it's full of hope. Uh, we all know youth ministry is broken. Uh, the answer is not dare to share. It's not riot starter. The answer is the, the, book of Acts, the Gospels, the Epistles, all these values and principles are in there. So I encourage you to read The Failure of Youth Ministry. Remember that a thriving youth ministry is a gospel advancing youth ministry. So let's start advancing the gospel.